is wonderful to be a Christian. So good to see each of you tonight. Let's all stand together, please. Take your hymnal. We're going to page, turn to page 302. And we're going to sing out nice and loud. By past purpose now I never had before. There is meaning to be singing even more. For a joy and peace I can't explain is mine. Since I found new life in Christ my Lord divine. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. I can go directly to the Lord in prayer. He has told me I may boldly enter there. And he listens as his promises I plead. I find mercy there and grace for every need. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. And the hope of heaven's glory stirs me so. Where I'll live with Christ forevermore, I know. That is why the things of earth I loosely hold. I've eternal riches better far than gold. What a wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. Let's turn to hymn number 333. Hymn number 333. Let's we'll sing out on the Lily of the Valley. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stain. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my griefs has taken and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong and mighty town. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me and Satan tip me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here, while I live by faith and do his blessed will. Of all the thought about me, I'm nothing now to fear. With this manna, he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweet feet up in glory to see his blessed face, where rivers of divine shall ever roll. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's a fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Thank you, baby.
All right, let's all stand and shake hands with those around us. Let them know you're glad to see them here in the Lord's house this evening. You know, the longer I live, the more I realize that this is not my home. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Who's begging me from heaven? open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh Lord you know I have no friend like you if heaven weren't my home then Lord what would I do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world That's one thing I know, my Savior pardoned me, and so I onward go. I know he'll see me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you, if heaven weren't my home. Then, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord. 
gonna need this house no longer Ain't gonna need this house no more Ain't got time to fix the shingles Ain't got time to fix the floor Ain't got time to all the hinges Or to mend the window pane Ain't gonna need this house no longer I'm getting ready to meet the saints And I can't feel at home in this world anymore next week I can't wait it's going to be a good time it's going to be a very hectic time uh, so let's be praying that the Lord will give us a, a good smooth VBS amen and uh, we'll have a lot of kids saved speaking of folks being saved we've had a we had um, 16 you said in in the in the jail ministry uh, had three saved in junior church one saved out here uh, we had 192 saved for this year so far. So praise the Lord for that. Um, again, VBS next week, so let's please be in our places for that. I think we have our drivers figured out, all the uh, teachers be in your places, all of the helpers be in your places. Um, be ready for whatever comes your way. We will go over next Sunday evening in the teachers' meeting. We'll go over all the details uh, with everyone. Uh, about those things just like we always do so let's be ready for that senior volleyball this coming Thursday and uh, we'll cut that a little bit short so we can go over to Mission Barbecue and then teen camp teen camp is right around the corner um, really in so many ways how the time goes by so fast uh, vacation Bible school it's almost like it's already over and teen camp is right at the doorstep uh, so let's be praying about those things. The summer is going to be gone before you know it. And let's make sure we accomplish something this summer for the Lord. Good to see you tonight. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 208. 208, please stand and join me. 208. And join me in singing, My Life is Yours to Control. With my whole heart I humbly seek you. Now use my Lord, the Lord, I pray. I yield my stubborn will completely. May your commandments light my way. My life, Lord, is yours to control. I give you my heart and my soul. I'll see will never mind rich treasure to find give wisdom to choices I make along every path that I take so when I complete life's race well done you has promised me the victory, and all I need to do is claim your strength to soar with wings as eagles, to walk, to run, and not to faint. My life, Lord, is yours to control. 
Fathers, that you were not in here this morning in junior church and various other places, uh, be sure to get your gift so that you can give, it's a set of screwdrivers, you can give that to your wife so she can fix things around the house. <clears throat> and also there's a letter in there that I would like for you to read. <clears throat> so if you didn't, didn't, you were not in here and didn't get your gift, uh, be sure to Check one of the ushers back there before you leave, and uh, they'll, they'll get it to you. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. Remember Brother King, uh, Brother Bill, still, uh, Bill's not with it. He was with us this morning, but not able to be back tonight. He was uh, able to lead the Father's Choir this morning, and uh, so it was a blessing to see him, be, see him up here. So remember those that are that are sick. Bow our heads now and look to the Lord in prayer. Brother Smith, would you lead us?
I forgot to mention uh, another prayer request. B, um, holler it out to us again. I forgot this morning and forgot to get tonight. B, okay. All right, thank. Thank you, Ivy. That's not me. That's Ivy. <laughs> All right, open your Bible to Psalm 128. Psalm 128. <clears throat> probably to be safe about prayer request, you'd probably be better off to write it down and hand it to me. Um, and even then, I might forget it. <laughs> but but um, at, at my age, it's hard to remember all those things. I like uh, preaching messages on Father's Day about fathers. All my kids are grown and gone, so I, I can be more brave now, you know, and, and uh, tell you things that you ought to do. I'm not going to tell you anything that's not scriptural. And if we obey the Bible, if we'll obey the Bible, then then uh, our kids will turn out better and, and we'll be better people ourselves. The book of Psalms, it's, uh, as you know, is a song book of the Jewish people. It was a, these were so songs that they sang. Uh, and in fact, the word, the word psalm, it's uh, as a musical connotation. You, you know the word psaltery, that's an instrument. And that's, that's in that same realm, the... Uh, words that are used there. Um, we, uh, one year at uh, Vacation Bible School when I was in Tennessee, we had a couple guys from Bob Jones University. They specialized in Vacation Bible School and they came to our church and, and all the songs that they taught the kids were out of the Psalms. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but it's easier to memorize something if you sing it. And uh, something that the Lord has made us that way, I guess, so that it, things like that are, you know, you, you'll never, those courses like that that you learn, you never forget. Uh, some of them are not good, you know, like Winston tastes good, like cigarettes should. That's not a good one. But, you know, that's still there because that, 
you, you heard that so much on TV and <clears throat> things like that. But but um, it's good to it's good to read in the Psalms every day. You ought to spend some time in the Psalms because there's so much comfort that you receive from reading reading the Psalms. It seems like every human experience that that can be experienced is written about here in the Psalms. <clears throat> so. Um, while you're while you're finding your place there in Psalm 128, I wanna I wanna mention something to you here. Uh, show you something I I actually had had thought about this past week preaching on this this morning, but then then the Lord kind of turned me away from that uh, to something else. But you remember when Mary Magdalene came to the empty tomb on that uh, first Easter morning? She saw someone, and it was the Lord Jesus. At first, she, she didn't know it was him. She thought that perhaps it was the gardener. And then he, he spoke to her, and she recognized him, and she said, uh, uh, Rabboni, or Master, and she ran to him. And Jesus said to her, "If you'll, and you'll find this in John chapter 20. Don't turn to it now. I'm not going to be preaching on this tonight. I just want to mention this in passing. Um, she ran to him, reached out to touch him, and he said, Don't touch me yet. Don't touch me, Mary. He said, I'm not yet, I've not yet ascended to my father. And then he added, and your father. And your father. Now, Jesus uh, spoke to Mary Magdalene, out of whom the Bible says he had cast seven demons, seven devils. Uh, she wasn't a very nice woman, wasn't a very nice lady, and uh, there's no telling what kind of a home life she had had. But... Um, Probably because of her lifestyle before, before she was saved. Uh, I wonder if she had ever known a father's love. And Jesus said, Mary, my father, and your father. Isn't the Lord good? Stuff like that, you know, that you know, we, we'd never think about those things. But, but the Lord, knowing, knowing the background of Mary Magdalene, uh, I wonder if he knew that she, did, she had never known the Father's love. And so he added that, my father and your father. What a premium the Bible places on fatherhood. God, God wants there to be harmony in the home. There's to be music and the, and the lilt of laughter and lullabies and melodies. And the, and the entire home life is to be a symphony of, of praise. Um, you know, the, you, the, you musical experts, Brother Micah and Sherry and Gina and all of you that, that uh, know music, do, do music, you read music and all those, all those kind of things, um, you, you, uh, you especially, of all the people in the audience, you especially should get a blessing from reading Psalms and knowing uh, what, what these are and they and the praises that, that are there. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of musical terms that are, that are used in the original, in the Hebrew language. A lot of uh, musical terms that are used that we don't, it's not as evident in the English. Um, but they, you, you experts probably know, you know what they are. And, um, what, and what a blessing it is, you know, whenever you do read about, about something that speaks of, of uh, Something that would be be known in the original in the Hebrew language, but 
but uh, then it's pointed out to us that uh, that even in the English, you know, that you can you can get a blessing from that. Uh, so I I, uh, I I see in here something about about fathers. And so let's look at this Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in His ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be, uh, man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Now, what he's talking about here is, is how to have how to have joy, how and to and and praise in in our lives. Uh, in the in the Hebrew, there it, we're told that that word "blessed," the very first word "blessed," that it is that it's double in the in the Hebrew "blessed." Blessed. Uh, when I was in barbecue, one of our professors said, "Now, uh, I know that the proper way to pronounce that is blessed, but he said blessed sounds more Baptist. So, uh, so that's what I do. I use I say blessed. I know that correctly it's blessed, but but hey, what's what's wrong with uh, blessed? That just to me that sounds like like a little bit more spiritual than you." Uh, but he, he's talking here about how to have double joy, blessed, blessed, or happy, happy. But my friend, if you don't do what's in this psalm, you're not going to have double joy. You're going to have double trouble. So if you like double joy, if you like to be the kind of a dad that the Bible says you, that you ought to be and heed to be, I want you to tune in because I'm going to give you from this psalm five ways that you can be that kind of a dad that you ought to be. I mean, how are you going to learn? Where, where's the standard? Where's the standard? You better not look at television to get the standard. You better not listen to these so-called uh, family experts. You, you, can't, you can't go by what they say. I mean, what do you, what do you get? You turn on the TV, and, and uh, if, if there's a father even in the home, He's, uh, he's presented as a stark raving idiot or, or else he's a, a fanatical religious person, you know. They, uh, they don't ever present uh, a father, especially a Christian father, in a good light. Janice and I, we were, we were watching, I, I like, uh, you've heard me say this before, I like, I like the old, you know, the old program, Andy Griffith, I like Andy Griffith. Uh, I've, I've probably seen every one of those a hundred times each. <laughs> uh, and I like gun smoke. Now, some of those Westerns I don't care anything about. I never cared anything about, uh, you know, the, the Big Valley or, or a wagon train or any of those. You know, I, I just like gun smoke. I like Matt Dillon. And uh, uh, I, I know that they, that they drink beer in there, but... You know, and his girlfriend runs a saloon and all that, but uh, but you know, I just kind of cut that out. I I look at that and I think that's water. You know, it's not really, it's not really. That's just water, and uh, 
And, uh, and he never kissed Kitty, you know, through the whole thing. He never did kiss her or anything. <clears throat> uh, he might have kissed his horse, but he never kissed her. But, uh, but you can't watch television and learn how to be a good father. Uh, the only place that you can find the right standard is from the Word of God. The Word of God. So I want you to notice five things about the dad who's the leader. And, and I'm calling this the leader of the band, the family, the leader of the band, because we're talking here about musical things. So first of all, I want you to see the character that he lives. Notice in verse 1, blessed is everyone, double happy is everyone that what? That feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Prime requisite for being a good daddy is to fear God, and to be happy is to fear God. Now, how many, how many formulas for happiness do you think would begin that way? Fear God. Fear God. Most people think, will happiness come from marriage or, or from money or materialism or fame or success or fitness? The Bible says, happy is the man that feareth the Lord. Now, now, that doesn't mean that there's a dread of God, fear of God. No, this, this fear, this kind of fear is pure, it's clean. It's good. The fear of the Lord is just simply love on its knees. The one who loves God the best fears God the most. And a good dad is to have a character so that he fears God, and as a result of fearing God, he walks in the way of God. He shows it by the way he lives. What do you want to be remembered for? I was thinking as I was preparing this sermon, what will my children remember me for? Uh, you know, first thing I thought about, will they remember me for my sermons? And then I had to laugh because I don't even remember my sermons myself. So how would I expect my kids to remember them? You know, some of you, sometimes you're, you're going out the door and you say, Preacher, what was point number three again? I said, I don't know. That was five minutes ago. I, I forgot already. That's why you need to take notes so you can, so you can remember it. But, but what are my children going to remember me for? You know what I want my kids to, to remember me for? I want them to say, my, my dad feared God. My dad feared God. My dad walked in the ways of God. That's what I want to be remembered for. My friend, your children need a dad that fears God, a dad that walks with integrity. Now, secondly, I want you to see not only the character that he lives, but the contentment that he learns. Look, if you will, in verse 2. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Do you see, do you see the word happy there? Happy? Do you see the word well there? He's speaking of contentment. He's talking here about a working man who goes out and labors. Listen, God had already given labor to Adam before the curse. Labor is not a result of the curse. Labor is good. It's good for men to work. And no matter what his labor may be, whether he works from the neck up or from the neck down, he's a laboring man. And he comes home and he eats the fruit of his labor. There's something wonderful about honest work. There's something wonderful about providing for your family and coming home and enjoying what God's given. And God has a way of taking care of the godly. 
David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, Once I was young, and now I'm old, and yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the apostle Paul echoes, For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not necessarily all your desires and all your wants, certainly not your carnal desires, but your needs. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, For godliness with contentment is great gain. You know the problem with many dads? They're just simply not content. Not content. <clears throat> There's never, just never enough. Never enough. You're never satisfied with just simply coming home, be happy with his family. He's always earning a living and forgetting to live life. I may have told you about a family I heard about. They were going to move, and, and this father, he was a typical businessman. His mind was everywhere except on his family. And they were going to move. They were moving to a bigger home, and the wife uh, said to her husband as he started out that morning, said, now when you go off to work, don't forget, when you come back home tonight, we're going to be moved. We're going to be in a different house. And uh, so don't forget and he said, well, who, do you, who in the world do you think I am? Do you think I'd forget we're moving? She said, I, I know you will. I know you. I know you'll forget. And he said, I'm not. Don't worry about me. I'm not going to forget above all things that we've moved. How do you think, how, how dumb do you think I could be? Well, they went to work. That evening drove home to the old address. The door was open. The drapes were gone. The yard was cluttered with stuff and so forth. And Obviously, the moving van had already been there, and he thought, oh, no, I've forgotten. How can I face her? How can I face my wife? And he said, worst of all, I don't even know where they moved to. <laughs> so he saw a little boy out riding on a bicycle, and he said, hey, son, come here. He said, you remember the folks that used to live here in this house? He said, son, do you know where they have moved? And the little boy looked at him and said, daddy. Mama said you'd forget where we'd moved and that we'd moved. And he sent me over here uh, to tell you where and to lead you the way and lead you the way over there. But that, you know, that may be a little exaggerated, but, but there are some dads that are just about almost getting that uh, kind of a condition. They're just never really satisfied. Never really satisfied. Never, never enjoy the family. Now, what, what is an ideal dad? Number one, there is the character that he lives. The character that he lives. And number two, the contentment that he learns. And then number three, the, the companion that he loves. Look in verse three. Thy wife shall be a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy wife like a fruitful vine. Now, what does a vine do? Well, a vine grows. It spreads. You know, it grows up a wall. And if it's fruitful, it, it uh, breaks out in clusters of grapes. And God describes the wife this way, as a fruitful vine. That means that she clings to him. She clings to her husband just like a vine clings to a wall. He's her support. And by the way, a husband is to be to a wife what a wall is to a vine. He's to be the support. He's to be the strength. He's to have that rock-like strength, and she's to have that tenderness 
and she used to cling to him and to him, to him alone. She is a faithful wife and also a fruitful wife. Does that characterize your wife? By the way, the next time you criticize your wife's judgment, remember, she married you. <laughs> this couple coming to church one Sunday morning, and they were arguing, and, and uh, he was trying to explain something to her that, that she just wasn't getting it. And, and, and uh, so when he finally pulled up in the parking lot, he jumped out of the car, and he said, I can't believe that God could make someone so beautiful as you are and yet so dumb. And she said, well, maybe God made me beautiful so you could love me and dumb so I could love you. <laughs> A faithful wife clinging to her husband. He, her strong support and a fruitful wife. That's what this verse 3 says. The Bible says, and just look here, the psalm before this one. Psalm but 127, verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb. There's that word fruit. Again, fruitful fruit. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And then here, And thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. These two psalms are put here side by side. And they're psalms on the home. And what, and what they tell us is that children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Children are an heritage of the Lord. They're given to us. That's what you, you think about when you inherit something. That's something that's given to you, isn't it? Uh, heritage. Same, same root word. Children are a blessing from God. You know, the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I know some of you don't either understand why God lets some people have children that don't deserve them and don't don't need them and won't and won't take care of them and then there's some there's some good godly people that, that God doesn't see fit to let have children but 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 God has a reason for it all because the Bible says children are in heritage that means God gives them but um you know, there, there's, there, there, are, there are people, there are women especially, that, uh, you know, they're like rabbits. They just, one, one kid after another, and they don't need them. They don't want them. They don't deserve them. They read all these things in good housekeeping and so forth, and how much it costs to raise a child, how much it costs to put one in college, and this and that. And it does cost a lot. It costs, a, it costs a lot to raise children, and especially if you put them through college, it costs a lot. My children, they worked their way through college. They, they worked a job and paid as they went to college. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to support them, and so they, they, were able, they did it on their own. And my son, he worked two jobs at a time in order to pay his way as he as he attended college. I, I kind of feel like back then I kind of felt like the fellow that said I'm suffering from maltuition. It does cost a lot, <clears throat> but let me tell you something. The Bible says that children are an heritage of the Lord. That's your wealth. That's your wealth, not your money, not your house, 
not your car. That's not your wealth. Your wealth is the heritage you see, receive. People say, well, children make a rich man poor. No, they make a poor man rich. A rich man can't take his money with him to heaven, but you can take your children with you to heaven. You see, children are the heritage of the Lord. So here's a, a faithful father. Not only is the character that he lives and the contentment that he learns, but the wife that he loves. And she's like a fruitful vine, a faithful wife and a fruitful wife. And then number four, the children that he leads. The children that he leads. Look in verse 3 again. And thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Children like olive plants. Did you know that the olive is a symbol in the Bible of fruitfulness and righteousness? The psalmist said, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. You want your children to be like green olive trees in the house of God, trusting in the mercy of God. That's what he's talking about, like olive trees. The idea is around thy table, uh, here, here's an olive tree, and around that olive tree are green shoots that are coming up. This olive is just reproducing itself in its children. This is what he's talking about. Did you know that that an established olive, olive tree, if it's well established, that, that, though, that those olive trees may never die. The, the only way that, that an, an olive tree would die would be some disease to, to get in it. When we were in Israel there, and we were, we were up on the Mount of Olives looking, looking down at the Garden of Gethsemane. And the, uh, our guide there, the guy that was, you know, given all the information and everything, he said, he said, look down, look down there in, the, guard, in the, guard, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane and those olive trees. They may be, he said, we, we can't say this definitely, but that may be the same olive trees, uh, trees that Jesus prayed under. And I got shivers running up and down my spine to think about, man, you could, if, you, if they let you go down there and walk and even kneel where Jesus knelt under those olive trees, those same olive trees, This olive tree reproducing itself in its children. This is what he's talking about. Let me tell you, tell you something, you fathers. Listen, your wife is like a vine. Your children are like olive plants. Now, what does that tell you? Well, one thing it ought to tell you is that both must be cultivated. They must be cared for. That's what it tells you. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're not like sticks and stones. They're, they're like a vine. They're like olives. They have to be taken care of. They have to be cultivated. The, the verse says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's care. There's compassion. There's love. They're like an olive plant. Wise as the dad understands, therefore, that it's his duty and privilege to cultivate his wife in her needs and to cultivate his children in their needs. You know what the curse of today is? It's not juvenile delinquency. It's not a generation gap. I'll tell you, friend, what the curse of today is. It's not primarily working mothers. It's not altogether the feminist movement. 
we guys would like to shove the blame away. May I tell you what the 20th century curse is? It's dropout dads. Dropout dads. That's it. Dropout dads. Dads that are, are not home. They're not where they ought, ought to be. If, if dads only knew how important it is that they spend some quality time cultivating that green olive plant that's in their home. You know, I, I, talk, I mentioned this morning, you heard me say it before, um, uh, my dad, uh, when, I, when I was a kid anyway, after we, had moved, after we moved to Florida, uh, my dad was home more often. Uh, but until we moved to Florida, I don't know what my dad did. I don't know where he was, but I know he would be gone for weeks at a time. And uh, back then, you know, uh, sometimes we're looking at these old programs on TV, and Janice said, she'll say, wouldn't you hate to have lived back then? I said, honey, I did. <laughs> I, I know what our houses are. I know what houses without electricity, without running water, I know what all that is. I know what it's like without an automobile. I know what it's like when you had to, when you, if you went somewhere, you had to go in a horse and wagon. I know, I know what it is to ride a horse. How many have ever ridden a horse? Uh, it, it's, not, it's not as easy as what's presented on these TV shows, these uh, cowboy shows, you know. It, uh, you know, it's a lot of bouncing up and down, especially when you're a little kid. But uh, I, I know, I know about all that. I know, you know, I grew up in a home almost without a dad. He was seldom there. I think that actually my dad, later in later life, I think he did try to make up for some of that. And, and uh, we'd go fishing a lot and all, and we spent, spent time together like that. But, but you know, I, I often think back how important. You know, I, I, I didn't know what it was to grow up with a dad in the home. Briefly, I want to say to you, your dads, they're here tonight. Spend some time with your son. Spend some time with your son. Uh, teach him masculine things. Teach him how to work. Don't just give him everything that he wants. Make him work for it. Teach him how to walk. Teach him how to shake hands and look a man in the eye. I mean, that son is like a green olive tree. Your daughter is to be like a green olive tree round about your tra uh, table. I have, I have talked with so many girls over the years that, that uh, the, the only thing that was wrong with them that was creating a lot of other problems, but the primary thing wrong with them was they wanted a daddy. They needed a daddy. There was no man. There was no daddy there to love them. No daddy to caress them. No daddy, no daddy to, uh, to try to help to cultivate them. And many of those girls, they're, they're, seeking, they're seeking that father love, uh, but, but they have to go to the wrong places to get it. And so many, so many not, not just girls, but boys as well, but uh, daddies, you need to love your daughters too. Love your daughters, love your sons, but, but especially your sons. Teach them 
to be manly. One of the problems we're having today now is that uh, women are taking over everything. Now, I'm not, I said this morning, I'm not against women. Now, without, without, without you women, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be what we are today as a church. We, I thank God for you. I, I, I loved my mother. I have three sisters. My wife, I have a daughter. I have grandchildren, girl grandchildren, female grandchildren. I, I love women. I love you. love the women here. I love you and the Lord. So I'm not against women. But God never intended for the women to be the leaders in the home or in the church or even in government. God never intended that. And, and they, I think that a, a lot of the problems that we're having now is because we don't have enough men. You know, I mean, you got some, you got some males, but you don't have enough men. They're in places of leadership. Then one last thing, I want you to see not only the children that he leads, I want you to see here the contribution that he leaves. Look in verses 4 and following. Behold, that, thou, that thus shall be the man, or shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. What a blessing this is. Thus saith the man, thus shall the man be blessed. I'll get it right in a minute. Thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. What a blessing that would be. Your children's children, your grandchildren, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. You say, Pastor, I, I just feel so inadequate. Well, so do I. So do I. That's the reason I'm glad for the psalm just above this one, Psalm 127, verse 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You see, you can't do it. God will do it, and he'll do it in you, through you, if you let him. I don't know what kind of a family you came from. I don't know what your background is. There's so uh, many that uh, today, and I don't, I don't know here, it's kind of a small attendance here tonight. But uh, uh, there, you know, I'm sure that in our church family, there are those that were brought up in a home uh, where there was child abuse. Some brought up in a home where there was drunkenness. Raised in a home where there's greed and selfishness. Uh, maybe, maybe some of you, some of you that are sitting here tonight, you would, you say, I would, I would give anything if, if my daddy would have put his arms around my neck and told me he loved me, or that even now, I mean, if my dad would just tell me that he loves me, the, the deepest need of your heart is just for a dad to love you and accept you and tell you you're good, I approve you. But you may not have a dad like that, and you may never have a dad like that, but listen, my friend, somebody has to break that cycle. Somebody has to break that cycle. You can't do anything about your ancestors. You can certainly do something, though, about your descendants. I mean, you can say, maybe I didn't have that kind of a home, but thank God I have a church. 
and I have a pastor and I've got the word of God and I can break the cycle. Maybe my, my three sisters broke the cycle. I have read uh, practically all of my life that if you're brought up in a home where either your mother or father are alcoholics, that the chances that you will be an alcoholic is over 80%. Me and my three sisters, all of us broke that cycle. All of us are saved, serving the Lord. They're uh, serving the Lord in, in their churches in the ways that, that God intended for ladies to serve. The cycle can be broken no matter what. You know, one of the easiest things to do is to blame somebody else for the way you are. But break that cycle. You don't have to, you don't have to be the way that your daddy was or, or your granddaddy was. You don't have to be like that. I was reading, reading about, uh, about, hear about the message and all. I was reading here an, an article one father said, if I had to do all over again, here's what I would do. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I'd listen more even to the youngest child. I'd be more honest about my own weaknesses and stop pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my children. Instead of focusing on them in the prayer, I'd focus on me. I would do more things with my children. I'd be more encouraging and bestow more praise. I'd pay more attention to little things, deeds and words of love and kindness. And finally, if I had to do all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. I would use every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day to point them to God. Dad, if there's going to be music, if there's going to be harmony in the home, you have to see to it that God's made you the leader of the band. Would you stand please, your heads bowed. In, in the message tonight, I've been preaching as much to me as to, as to all of you. Uh, I wish, you know, I wish I could go back and do some things over as a dad. I wanted to be a good dad. I, I'd read books on how to rear children. Um, I'd read uh, child psychologists, you know, what they said, had to say about raising children. In most cases, I found out that they were wrong. They were wrong. And <clears throat> I used to hand out books on how to rear children by a well-known pastor. I'd order them by the cases. I'd give them to every young married couple. And then, and then in later years, I found out all his kids turned out bad. Um, but if you go by this guidebook, things will be right. You don't have to worry about doing things wrong. <clears throat> But it's hard. It's hard to be a dad, to be a good dad, isn't it? And I'm, I'm sure every one of you that are like myself, you're older, your kids may be grown, you, you wish you'd go back and redo some things. But listen, we can't, we can't undo anything. All we do is 
think now when I counsel with people, I tell them, you can't undo what's happened in the past. But what you can do is start right now today and go forward and do things right from now on. And that's what I say to you dads. Maybe maybe some of you turn there tonight, you're thinking, boy, I wish, you know, I wish I'd have done things differently. I wish I'd have been a better dad. <clears throat> um, you can't undo anything in the past. You can't go back. But you can, you can even now, even if your kids are grown, you can still now, you can be the right kind of a dad to them. And even though they're grown, maybe have children themselves, they'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate it, Dad. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the invitation time. May each of us do what you have us to do. If there's someone here tonight without Christ, I pray they'll come and be saved. And I pray that uh, we, as dads, Lord, that we would covenant with you tonight that we're going to do our best to follow the guidelines in the Bible and be the kind of dads that we ought to be. So we ask you to bless now the invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we sing a verse of invitation song, we invite you to come.